Today on Green Cars, the podcast, we look back at transportation in 2023 and then forecast where the all-electric future may take us. Welcome to Green Cars, the podcast, where we talk about all things hybrid, plug-in hybrid, and all-electric cars. I'm Trish Gloss. And I'm Dave Nichols. Today, we're going to review 2023 and look ahead to the EV future. According to the International Energy Agency, there are over 26 million electric cars on the roads today, up 60% since 2021. Wow. Global sales were led by China, Europe, and the U.S., with China's sales of electric cars reaching up to 40% of vehicle sales by 2030. That's incredible. Based on existing policies, oil demand for road transport is projected to peak by 2025, with the amount of oil displaced by electric cars exceeding 5 million barrels per day by 2030. An EV market competition is lowering the prices on new models. You know what that means. With more than 60 new EV models rolling into showrooms in the coming year. Right. And over 100 different models of EVs will be available to consumers by the end of 2024. Wow. And we're not just talking about, you know, uh, personal transportation. Mm -hmm. Also, last year, electric commercial vehicles like big buses and heavy trucks, stuff like that, increased worldwide by 90% over the previous year. Electric bus sales in urban areas are at an all-time high. A total of 27 governments have pledged to 100% zero-emission vehicle, bus, and truck sales by 2040. Well, let's just put this into perspective. The growth of electric vehicle sales and the ratio of EVs on the road is really lighting up. By 2025, electric vehicle sales could account for 20% of all new car sales. By 2030, we're talking about 40% new car sales could be EVs. And by 2040, we're talking about EV sales being all new car sales. That's absolutely amazing. Yep, it is indeed. And the transition from gasoline-powered vehicles to hybrids, plug-in hybrids, and, and all-electric cars, it's going to happen pretty quickly. Okay, well... That was quite the opening of our show today. Yeah, yeah. A lot of information we threw at you. So listeners, viewers, you're absolutely allowed. Rewind a little bit, take some notes, take all of that back in. Uh, Dave, where do we go from here? Let's take a look at the latest EV news. And also we've got some amazing future EVs fresh from the LA Auto Show. Time to see what's up the latest in EV news. Just as we were mentioning, American automakers are transitioning to all electric vehicles by 2035. Our Canadian neighbors to the north are getting strict on vehicle emissions, with some restrictions coming as soon as 2026. The Great White North is investing billions in new battery and EV component factories and has advanced its car and truck ban. According to Canada's electric vehicle availability standard, 20% of all cars sold by 2026 must be zero emission vehicles, growing to 60% of all cars and trucks sold by 2030. And here in the U.S., the EPA calls for 67% of all light-duty vehicles to be zero emission by 2032. And moving to make EV batteries better, Wired recently announced that Panasonic is working with an American company called Scylla to create new silica-based batteries that will cover 500 miles of range and will charge in just 10 minutes. While three-quarters of all EV batteries are currently made in China, the silicone material will be mined right here and manufactured in the U.S. Sounds like a game changer. According to Automotive News, the oil giants whose gas station brands keeps our ICE, or internal combustion engine cars, filled up 
are planning to maintain their place in powering our EVs in the years to come. Believe it or not, gas station sales have been dropping for the past three decades. Franchise filling stations like BP and Shell are poised to convert to level three chargers. Shell already has mobility hubs in China and the Netherlands and plans to have more than 200,000 charging stations live by 2030. And Fast Company tells us that automakers such as Ford are also adding EV chargers to their dealerships and other locations, hoping to add over 30,000 chargers to middle America for use by business fleets. Wow, really? Yes, Ford Pro is partnering with XL Energy, one of the biggest utilities in the country. The program will launch in eight states this year. But that's not the biggest news we have, Trish. Dave, get out. I won't. I kid you not, Reuters has released details that the first EV station funded by Biden's $75 billion infrastructure plan has begun operations in Columbus, Ohio. The goal is to grow the nationwide network of chargers to 500,000 so you can find a charger within about every 50 miles on the nation's biggest highways and interstates. Wow. And that takes us to the L.A. Auto Show. Each year, automakers show off the latest designs and technology to whet our appetite for things to come. Our own David Beyond Aid brings us to the latest from Toyota, including the hydrogen-powered Mirai. All right. Hello, everybody. I'm David Biondi, and we are here with Maggie. Hi there. Thanks for having me. And Maggie is with Toyota, and we're going to be talking about here at the LA Auto Show. Uh, Toyota's got a huge area here. So right now, we're standing by the hydrogen Toyota. Maggie, do you want to tell us about this? I would love to. This is the Toyota Mirai. It is our mass-produced hydrogen fuel cell vehicle. It's available in California, Hawaii, and many other countries. And it's a zero-emission vehicle that uses hydrogen as fuel with up to a 400-mile driving range, and it only takes five minutes to refuel, and you're on your way. So uh, there was, it was only available in certain markets. Is there a reason for that, that they're only available in those markets? Yes. So you do have to go to a hydrogen refueling station, and in the state of California, there are close to 60 fueling stations with funding for 200 stations, so more are on the way. Wow, that's amazing. And not a lot of people know about hydrogen cars. So what was Toyota's decision to have this here and make a hydrogen car? Well, Toyota actually started working on the Toyota Mirai at the exact same time as the Toyota Prius. So the word Prius means to go before, and the word Mirai means future. So Toyota was looking at the Toyota Mirai, the hydrogen fuel cell technology, as being part of the future of the automotive industry, and the Prius was getting us there. So this is an alternative to an electric vehicle, but it is very much an electric vehicle with zero emissions and an electric motor. And Maggie, why don't you tell us about this Prius? Now, the Prius is the best-selling hybrid in the history of the world, and Toyota actually unveiled the brand-new redesign of the Toyota Prius at the LA Auto Show last year. And my goodness, it is a jaw-dropping design. It has been such a hit. It is beautiful, it is sexy, it is sporty, and it is faster and more fuel-efficient than ever. So the new Prius Hybrid will get up to 57 miles per gallon. Unbelievable. And the Prius Prime, which is the plug-in hybrid electric vehicle, will get 44 miles on just electric range before it switches into hybrid mode. Wow. We'll have more from the LA Auto Show in just a bit, but first let's dive into the mailbag. Mm -hmm. Our first letter comes from Felicia McKay from Kinston, North Carolina, who asks, what was the first mass-produced hybrid electric car? 
Ooh, ooh, I know. It's got to be the Prius. That is correct. It was debuted in America in 2000, and over 5 million have been sold to date. They're so reliable and long-lived that many have over 300,000 miles on the odometer. Many, including you. Yes, I have one that's uh, 2008 with 316,000 miles on the clock and still going strong. Going strong. I like that. Philip Morgan from Sandusky, Ohio, wants to know, how do standard hybrids differ from plug-in hybrid cars? Do plug-ins just have bigger battery packs? They do, yes. The battery packs in plug-in hybrids are bigger and heavier. And they usually have two electric motors and a small gas engine. You plug your car in at home every night, level one or level two charging. And many of these plug-in hybrids will take you 45 miles on electric power only. So if you don't do a lot of driving, if you're just going to the grocery store and stuff like that, you really don't use any gas. It's, um, it's pretty great. Um, but if you have a plug-in hybrid that you only are taking on long trips and stuff like that, the standard hybrid may actually get better mileage. So why is that? Ah, I knew you were going to ask that. To find out, we are going to ask our resident expert, Chase Drum, who is the host of Grid Connections. Chase, thank you for joining us. Tell us a little bit more about Grid Connections. Yes, thank you both for having me. Uh, Grid Connections is a weekly video podcast that explores different topics related to everything from electric vehicles to the kind of North American grid and how we're trying to obviously go through a pretty big transition right now. So I, I have usually a one-to-one -one interview with a subject matter expert in the space, or occasionally we'll have even a panel episode where we will cover a few different topics with professionals that can be either C-level executives to even uh, regulators in the space. All right, Chase, let's get right into it. Give us the scoop. In what scenario can a hybrid vehicle be the best choice over a plug-in hybrid? Yeah, if you're just interested in saving money at the pump or regularly drive long distances and generally just want a lower sales price, you're better off with a regular hybrid. Plug-in hybrids are at their best for people who drive short distances and plug it in every night. This way, you aren't using any gas at all. Cool. So what's the difference between how a hybrid and plug-in hybrid feels to drive? Yeah, on the road, a regular hybrid or a plug-in hybrid will be heavier than a conventional combustion engine vehicle. But handling-wise, I don't think most people will notice much of a difference. Uh, the real difference is generally in the acceleration and braking. A hybrid will feel much more like a regular uh, combustion engine vehicle, whereas a plug-in hybrid or an electric vehicle has a different pedal and braking feel. Uh, it depends on the plug-in hybrid, but for most of them, the only difference you might notice actually when you're going between the modes of the sound or the vibration from when the engine turns on because that battery might have run out of juice or just maybe needs additional power to accelerate like when you're going up a hill or trying to pass someone. Uh, the motors will still be pushing the car along, but instead of the energy coming from the onboard battery to get you down the road, it'll be coming out of the fuel tank and the engine, unlike a regular combustion vehicle where the onboard engine drives the wheels. It's more operating like a backup generator for your house when the power goes out. The engine converts the chemical energy, the gas, into electrical energy that sends it to the motors and possibly battery pack. So you'll still have a peppy driving feel, and that acceleration feel that everyone loves in an EV. I like Peppy. I hear that some plug-in hybrids get worse gas mileage than a conventional car if you don't plug them in. 
Uh, th that can be true. It just depends what you want. There's a reason modern F1 cars are hybrids and you see the technology inspired by them in luxury vehicles like Ferraris. Uh, but plug-in hybrids get worse fuel economy than their non-hybrid counterparts if you don't plug them in. But the addition of an electric motor can mean they accelerate a lot faster. For people who don't want to be bothered with charging up their plug-in hybrids overnight, uh, a regular hybrid can actually be the better vehicle for everyday commuting. Well, plug-in hybrids, or PHEVs as we call them, can be a great bridge towards buying an EV. They aren't for everybody. I get that. So whenever buying a car, you really need to ask yourself what's important. Performance, savings, ease of use. There are hybrids for everyone. It's not just about saving gas. High-end brands aren't offering hybrids because of fuel economy. Although their all-electric modes do help them around some of the European environmental legislation, those cars have it because their buyers want the best lap times and or bragging rights. Chase, there are so many different mainstream hybrids on the market today. What makes the Prius so special? The Prius and the many conventional hybrids that have followed from various automakers are preferred to as a hybrid electric vehicle. Under the hood of a hybrid vehicle, you'll generally find a small gasoline-powered internal combustion engine and at least one electric motor to supplement horsepower. Electric motors are compact and powerful, producing amazing torque. For instance, the latest Prius from Toyota has seen where fully electric vehicles have had successes and try to incorporate those learnings to give some of the advantages of a fully electric vehicle at a lower price point. Things like a center, lower center of gravity, lower rolling resistance tires, better aerodynamics, and more, but all at a lower starting price point generally. Hybrids, plug-in hybrids, and EVs all use regenerative braking. How does that work? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, while you're driving down the road, regenerative braking turns the electric motor into a generator to capture some of that electricity back and charge the battery pack. It adds more electric range while you're braking. Some cars allow you to even drive majority of the time with just the accelerated pedal or what's known as one pedal driving, where instead of coasting, when you let off traditionally the gas pedal, it starts to turn that energy into electricity and break the car. It's usually a setting that lets you choose how you want it to feel, and some performance vehicles even blend that the regenerative braking in with the traditional friction brakes. While hybrids and EVs are usually heavier than their combustion equivalents, it's not uncommon for hybrids and EVs to brake in shorter distances, since they have two different systems now to brake at the same time. Well, and Chase, figuring that we're all going to be probably driving electric cars in the future, why should people consider buying a hybrid right now? I always recommend people to think about how you're going to use a car before you even start shopping for a new one. If you plan to use the car for a lot of highway driving or enjoy longer road trips, and maybe you're not ready to try something as new as an electric vehicle, then a hybrid is probably a great option for you. However, if you're looking to buy a second car for your family to mostly drive around town and you can plug it in overnight or at your work, then a plug-in hybrid or EV would probably make a lot of sense for you. These days, you can find hybrid vehicles that fit a variety of driving needs from sleek sedans and hatchbacks to compact crossovers, off-road ready SUVs, and even practical pickup trucks. Brake pads and rotors also last longer on hybrids and EVs thanks to that regenerative braking again. So most routine maintenance costs on a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid specifically are similar to a uh, conventional gas-powered car and potentially less frequent. All right, Chase, let's get into the good stuff. Your predictions for 2024, what do you have? 
Yeah, Trish, uh, I think we're likely to see a few different things. But one thing in particular that we were seeing pretty regularly before uh, kind of COVID and we saw a lot of these supply chain slowdowns was automakers coming out with uh, each year a battery pack with more EV range. So I think we're really likely to see first this year a lot more EVs that are already on the market start to come out with new models that have just more energy density in them. And that just essentially means that you can go farther on a charge and ideally be able to charge uh, even faster. And I think it's going to be a bit of a thing we see these automakers pushing to do because one, the supply chains for these uh, batteries and the actual uh, materials before have kind of started to pick up and there isn't such a high, de- uh, high demand anymore. And also the prices are coming down. So I think with so many EVs on the market and just auto sales have slowed down because of interest rates and other things, I think this is going to be an area where we start seeing ranges increase as a way for automakers to be more competitive. I think another thing, I guess this would be my second prediction for 2024, is to see what the outcome of a lot of American OEMs uh, pulling back their EV production. It was kind of announced that with this slowdown, uh, really, to be honest, in sales across the board, But for some automakers, they're seeing it more with their EV lineup. They've decided to kind of pull back EV production and put a bigger focus on plug-in hybrids again. So I I, maybe this is more of a open-ended question than a prediction, but I am just really curious to see going in 2024 if this decision by kind of the uh, legacy automakers will be uh, a smart move just because of a temporary slowdown. Or if going back to hybrids and kind of ignoring the fully battery electric vehicle sales We'll kind of give a further head start to some of the larger market share leaders like Tesla, Kia, and some of the Chinese company, uh, Chinese EV companies already in the U.S. like Volvo and uh, some of the new EV startups like Lucid and Rivian as well. Then I think probably my third and final prediction for this year is right now there's a lot of automakers that have pretty much all of them uh, have already announced that they will be supporting a new charging uh, input called the North American Charging Standard. You might have heard some people refer to it as NACS, uh, just another fun acronym for the industry. But that actually will start appearing natively on a lot of electric vehicles for most automakers in 2025. And so I'm kind of thinking that I actually already know a couple uh, people who are looking to buy EVs that are holding off on buying one because they know it'll be a native feature next year. And so they won't have to have an adapter when they go to plug in their EV. So I really think uh, 2024 is going to continue to be maybe a slower EV year for the non-fully EV companies, mostly kind of the larger OEMs. And you're going to see them sell more hybrids because of the buyers. They just don't want to deal with having an an adapter. And I think it could also lead to these vehicles having a potential for greater depreciation uh, down the road when you go to sell it because it's not something that has the right charger. You have to sell it with uh, an adapter. So I think that's kind of my three big uh, predictions for 2024, which is likely to see uh, greater EV range increases in vehicles, uh, see how the pullback of North American automakers into hybrids plays out, and then uh, maybe slow down in EV sales because car buyers don't want to really deal with having adapters for their cars. Chase, thank you for joining us and sharing your brain. We look forward to having you on the show lots more in 2024. Thank you. My pleasure, Trish. Great to be speaking with both of you today. Those are some pretty great predictions yeah. from Chase. I've got a prediction for you, Dave. Yeah, for 2024. I'd, I'd like to hear it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Two words, glove box microwave. Oh, 
Well, I kind of love that. I Yeah. I mean, long road trip. You need a little popcorn snack. Beep, boop, boop, boop. Done. Maybe a little mini pizza. Well, whatever you'd like. That's that's the beauty of a glove box oh, microwave. I love, I love if, that. If we're not working on this, someone should take some notes, make it happen. Yep. And you know, our, our producer has a prediction. Mm-hmm. He thinks that EVs will turn into transformers and have laser beam headlights. I, I think the microwave's probably a little ahead of that. I but would put it ahead, yeah. Let's get to a serious prediction. What's your prediction for 2024? I think we're going to see a lot more uh, hybrid and plug-in hybrid sales as people take their time and you know kind of use them as a gateway mm-hmm. to get that all-electric vehicle so that by 2030, they're ready. Well, and consumers are driving this oh, idea. I know. I came up that with that all on my own. But it's true. I think the idea of an all-electric vehicle is a little intimidating. Hybrid, plug-in hybrid, we're getting comfy with the idea mm-hmm. of driving an all-electric vehicle. It truly is uh, the gateway car. So it will be interesting to have this exact same conversation in a few months and see where everything is. Right. And now we have a lot more from the LA Auto Show. We are going to go back and see what is new from Chevy. Hello, everybody. My name is David Biondi, and I'm here at the 2023 LA Auto Show, and I'm here with Daisy Jimenez. Thank you for being with us, Daisy. Sure. Thank you for having me. So uh, we're here, and she's with Chevrolet, and we're here standing in front of, there's three electric vehicles we have here. What three are we standing in front of? We have the Chevy Equinox, the Chevy Silverado EV, and then the Blazer EV at the very end. Awesome. So uh, Chevy is in the electric game. So tell us a little bit about kind of their mission in uh, EV vehicles or EVs, if you will. Yeah. So I think um, one of the big priorities for Chevrolet as part of our transition to EV is to is to offer a wide array of options for consumers to fit their lifestyle, right? So you have everything from the Equinox up to the Silverado across the GM uh, family. You've got more. You have uh, the the Hummer EV and um, Celestic, right? So really excited just to bring that really wide range of options to consumers uh, so that they're not tied to just one to two options and they can really make that decision for themselves as they start considering um, electric, you know, whether it be near term, near term or long term. Uh, we have some one of the most we have, I believe, the most affordable EV in the market, the uh, Chevy Bolt uh, EV, EUV. Uh, and again, going all the way up to the um, Chevy Silverado EV. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. All right, so Daisy, why don't you tell us about this Equinox EV? Sure, the Chevy Equinox is one of our the new ones in our um, portfolio. So this uh, variant gives you up to 319 miles of range on a full charge. It is built on our Ultium platform, which is our uh, the platform we're using to build all of our EVs from the ground up. So Daisy, tell us about the Silverado, the truck game. Yeah, yeah. So the Silverado EV RST is the version that you see right behind this. Um, that one is really exciting for us, right? Um, that one gives you up to 400 miles range on a full charge, has up to 754 uh, horsepower. So it still gives you that power and the uh, the capability that we that our customers expect from the Silverado. It's just fully electric, right? Nice. And so um, really designing that also with on our Ultium platform um, to give you that fully electric experience. Also packed with technology um, and all uh, and all the safety features that you're used to um, with the Silverado as well. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Mr. Biondi. And next time, we'll have lots more from the L.A. Auto Show, and we'll have some great interviews from people. But I'm really looking forward to your time in a Ford Mustang Mach-E. Yes, so much fun. 
Look, there I am. Oh. Look, look, mom driving a, a, a Mustang electric you, vehicle. You look like you have range anxiety. <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> <laughs> I did have range anxiety, believe it or not. I thought for sure I wasn't, but I absolutely did. And I had charging anxiety. Well, that's because there's no microwave. <laughs> no, I was going to plug one in, though. Yeah. In, in the Mustang. So much fun. I am so excited to share my experiences with you driving the Mach-E and all of you. And we also want to know what you think. What topics would you like Dave and I to discuss? And what is your experience driving an EV? We want to know. We also want to know what's holding you back from driving an electric vehicle. Yep. And that wraps it up for another Green Cars, the podcast. When it comes to EVs, stay informed and stay charged. We'll see you next time. Follow us at Green Cars HQ. Email us the podcast at greencars.com.